If anyone should ask, you're listening to Federal Andy. I don't think that there are too many people who would argue if you said that Donald Trump was a phenomenon. Now, a phenomenon can be either good or bad, in my opinion. If Donald Trump excels at anything, he excels at getting attention. He knows how to get attention. And he's been able to do it forever. On a previous podcast, I mentioned that one of my first memories of the Trump family was an appearance on the television show Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous with Robin Leach. And that particular episode, what I recalled of it was that wife number one, Ivana, was taking the cameras of Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous on a tour through Trump Tower, which was fairly new at that point. This would have been 1985, 86, somewhere in that area. And I just recall thinking at the time that Trump Tower didn't seem all that impressive to me. It seemed kind of garish, kind of tacky, kind of cheap. Lots of polished brass, and I don't know. I wasn't impressed with it. And I wasn't particularly impressed with the Trump family, either. Shortly after that, the first book... The Art of the Deal came out, which, (laughs) whether or not um, Trump was in a position to really discuss making deals and how how great he was at making deals, who knows? When you are handed millions of dollars by your father... um, you know, that's not due to anything other than sheer luck. Because if he had been born to somebody else, they wouldn't have had all that money. Do you think he would have been successful? And there are some people who would argue he's not really successful. He's cheated people out of money, allegedly. I recall reading stories about people who... uh, were sharing their account of doing business with Donald Trump. Back in my younger days, I worked for a real estate developer and had to deal with investors from time to time. And I very clearly recall three investors that I was showing around uh, on a property once. And they all had discussed Donald Trump just in, you know, passing, just to, just in having a conversation while we were walking around, uh, going from one place to another, and they didn't seem to think much of him. 
And I do very clearly recall one of them saying, I will never do business with him again. He's a crook. And the other two seem to acknowledge and agree with that statement. So how is it that so many people seem to have such a great impression of Donald Trump these days? We know that he's been married three times. He's cheated on his wives. We know that he's filed for multiple business bankruptcies, leaving a lot of people who invested money in him holding the bag, so to speak. He's not honest. All you have to do is fact check something that he says for yourself. And it seems that his supporters today, even despite the fact that there are people out there fact-checking him, they still believe him anyway. Why is that? Why is that phenomenon occurring? Well, part of the reason is because the fourth estate is not doing its job. And there's no better example of that than what happened yesterday morning. This would have been Sunday. And we're going to talk about that next. So stay tuned. Episode 207. Meet the Trump Press? Most people know that in the United States of America, we have three branches of government. One of them is the legislative branch. They are the people who write the legislation and vote on it, pass the bills that form the laws and the policies that we have in this country. Laws and policies that everyone is expected to follow. Then there's the executive branch. That's the president, the Department of Justice, and they are supposed to ensure that the laws of the land that the legislative branch has passed are enforced. Then there's the judicial branch. The judicial branch is the one that cleans up some of the mess that may have been created by either the legislative branch and or the executive branch. It's the branch where people say, you know what, I've got a problem with this. This particular law is unfair. It's hurting me. It's harming me. And that's the court system where you plead your case and it goes from there. Now, in addition to those three branches of government, which tend to serve as checks and balances on each other, there's kind of a fourth branch. It's called the fourth estate. And that is one that uh, really should be placed right up there 
with the other three branches of government, and that's basically the media, the press. The fourth estate is representative of the watchdog role that the press in this country is supposed to be providing. It is a system of checks and balances over the other three branches of government. And in doing this role, it is perhaps the most important branch of government in order to ensure that we have a democracy that is functional and fair. So the First Amendment to the Constitution basically gives the press, and, and by press, I think what they, were, what they were talking about at the time, of course, was uh, newspapers, I guess. That's probably about all they had. They didn't have radio or television. They didn't have the internet. But all of these things have kind of been thrown into the term press or media. All of these things are kind of thrown in there together. And it frees the press, the, the Constitution frees the press from being controlled by any of the governmental divisions or from having uh, a lot of oversight. There are some exceptions. The Federal Communications Commission, which of course came along much later than the Constitution, does provide some guidelines, but doesn't generally involve the editorial content or the news content that much. So initially we were just talking about newspapers, traditional newspapers that would be published, you know, weekly or even daily, I guess, back then. And Today, newspaper readership has, is dropping off. It's been dropping off for a long time, and that is for several reasons. Number one, it's easier to get news these days by, well, listening to a podcast. You can put a pair of earbuds in and stick your uh, cell phone in your pocket and listen to a podcast while you're cleaning house or while you're grocery shopping or working in the yard, whatever, um, makes it a lot uh, easier to manage your time. And even with that convenience, it's still difficult to find time to do everything that you might want to do these days. seems the more convenience things that we have, the less time we still have. Makes you wonder how people got along before all of these convenience things, huh? So, Television came along, so did radio, and they provided uh, entertainment as well as news. And now we have satellite radio, and we can watch television basically on our cell phones if we want to. So the fourth estate, the media, has changed greatly over the years. 
But one of the things that the fourth estate is supposed to do is it is supposed to let people know when something is awry with our government. And that isn't happening these days very often, is it? Have you noticed that? I listen to podcasts every day. There are a handful of podcasts that I never miss. And I am surprised at the things that they will bring up and discuss that I'm not hearing when I watch TV. When I watch local news, which I don't watch that often, but when I do, I still don't hear these things. I watch MSNBC usually for news. And they're not talking about these things on MSNBC very often, or quite often at least. And then you go to the internet and you look at CNN or other news sites. And a lot of them aren't covering these things. And it kind of makes you wonder why. Why are they not doing that? Well, there's a couple of reasons for that. Most of them are speculation, but uh, it's not lost on a lot of people that today's media is largely owned by major corporations. And these corporations all have an agenda. And one of the main focuses, one of the main responsibilities of any corporation today is to make a profit. And if you're on TV or if you're trying to sell newspapers or magazine subscriptions or whatever it is, uh, advertisers on a podcast, you have to have people listening and watching and buying your newspaper, reading your reading your publications. And that's where the money comes from. It comes generally comes from advertising. So is it a big stretch when you consider how many ads you watch on TV for the pharma industry? Is it a stretch to think that maybe they don't really want to talk about how abusive the pharmacy industry is to the American people by making Americans pay far, far, far more for prescription pharmaceutical drugs than anybody else in the world? That's kind of like telling your advertisers, you know what, you guys are a bunch of scumbags. (laughs) You know, you're taking advantage of the American people. Do you think maybe the advertisers might want to say, uh, you keep talking about this and we're going to pull our advertising and guess what? That pays their salaries. So do you see where there is a little bit of a conflict of interest here? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, the fourth estate is supposed to serve as a check and balance on our government, all three branches, and on our democracy itself. So how is it doing? Well, it's uh, not doing a great job. Back in the early 2000s, like say around before 2004, for instance, if you polled American people uh, about their trust in what they heard or saw in the media in the United States, 
the majority of the people would say that they, uh, you know, yeah, they trusted the media for the most part. Maybe not completely, but for generally, yeah, they, they trusted the media. Now, uh, on a good day, maybe a third of the U.S. will have some trust in the media. Maybe, maybe a third. Which is a concerning development for an industry that is supposed to serve as a check and balance on our government and inform us when there's something going on that should not be going on. Kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? So knowing that people generally are not trusting what they're hearing on the media, it seems that these companies might want to sit down and, and maybe do a diagnosis of the patient, a, a diagnosis of themselves to find out what they're doing wrong. What are they doing that has caused the trust among the public to drop so significantly in not even 20 years? And prior to the 2000s, when you go back into the 1960s, 1970s, the Walter Cronkite era, I think trust in the fourth estate, trust in the media was far higher. So it has dropped a lot in the last 40, 50, 60 years. And one of the things that probably has contributed to that is the fact that FCC rules were changed that controlled the ownership of the media. There used to be this, this law, this rule, that one entity couldn't own like everything in one area. They couldn't have a radio station and a TV station and a newspaper or, or whatever. That's, that's just a very loose interpretation of what, what the law used to be. But what the law did is it created a situation where we had diversity in media ownership. You didn't have these big media companies that owned hundreds of radio stations across the country or 15 major newspapers or a bunch of television stations. Just didn't happen. And now today we are seeing that. So it's a problem. It's a problem for us, don't you think? problem for the American people because we no longer have this entity that is looking out for our best interests. And that should concern everyone because that was the number one source of, of balancing our government. There was a time when a person, for instance, in Congress might have thought twice about doing something for fear that if the media got hold of it, well, it would be the end of their career. They would be a disgrace for the rest of their lives. But now it's kind of like, well, the media on this side of the spectrum might condemn me for this, but there's people that are going to defend me. 
in the media. There, there's going to be news networks on cable, or there's going to be a whole bunch of talk jocks on radio stations or people doing podcasts that are going to be supportive of me. So I can say, you know what, there's two sides to every story. And maybe there is, but usually there's a right side and a wrong side, and they're not muddied up the way they are today. And people tend to believe what they are told when they hear uh, something from a particular person that uh, is on TV every night, looking at them from the ca- through the camera, through their screen, smiling, saying things that kind of fit the way you feel about things. You think, okay, well, you know, they're not going to sit there and lie to me. But we know that they do. We know that Fox News does that because they just settled a lawsuit for almost $800 million. $800 million, about $787, I believe. $787 million to make a lawsuit go away because Fox lied to its viewers repeatedly. Lied and lied and lied. And what did they lie about? Well, they lied about the 2020 election. They made sure that their viewers knew that the opinion of Donald Trump and the opinions of the Republican Party and most of the people at Fox News was that that election was stolen. Joe Biden is not a legitimate president. And they hammered that in day after day after day after day over and over again. And it wasn't true. And they knew it wasn't true. And everybody keeps saying we have all this evidence, but nobody has seen any of the evidence. Nothing credible has ever come forth that would indicate the 2020 election was rigged against Donald Trump. And despite that, we still have people like Donald Trump, the phenomenon, on television spewing lies. And he's getting away with it. And why is he getting away with it? Because the people who are giving him the platform to talk to millions of viewers are not holding him accountable. They are not fact-checking him right there on the spot. They're letting him get away with it. And in this case, the latest entity to do this is NBC News's news program, Meet the Press. It's been on television forever. has a new host now, and this was the very first show just yesterday uh, with the new host, and the very first guest was Donald Trump. And he sat there and he lied and lied and lied and lied and lied, and for the most part, Nobody did anything to, to, to try to provide any balance or any honesty. I think that's shameful. Absolutely shameful. And we're going to talk about some specifics coming up in the next segment. 
Let me provide a little bit of background information on Meet the Press. Meet the Press actually began on radio. It was on the Mutual Broadcasting System back in 1945 as American Mercury Presents Meet the Press. Eventually, it switched over to television. And its first televised episode on NBC was November the 6th, 1947. Meet the Press has the distinction of being the first televised show of its type in which a sitting president of the United States appeared. This occurred on November the 9th, 1975, when Gerald Ford, the current president of the United States, appeared on the program. Over the years, the program has been hosted by 12 different moderators. It's a one-hour Sunday morning talk show that deals with public affairs, things like uh, health issues. It deals with politics, economics, foreign policy, um, and it features people from Washington, D.C., current members of Congress, governors, foreign dignitaries, foreign leaders, you name it. And it's kind of uh, uh, a panel situation sometimes. Sometimes there's just one guest. Other times there may be several. Usually they'll talk about current uh, events in the political world or in economics. And it is a long-running show. As a matter of fact, right now, Meet the Press is the longest-running program ever on American television, I believe. I think it's been on longer than anything else. And its very first um, host was a lady by the name of Martha Roundtree. She was also the creator of the show. Now, recently, Chuck Todd has been the host, but that changed with yesterday's show. They have a new host now, and her name is Kristen Kristen Welker. (laughs) I was going to say Walker. And for her very first Meet the Press episode, she decided to have former President Donald Trump, current (laughs) Republican nominee, Uh, or in in the running to be uh, the Republican nominee for president again. This will be his third attempt to be president. He was successful when he first ran back in 2016, although he did lose the popular vote by 3 million votes. So much for one person, one vote, majority rules, right? And... uh, He lost to Joe Biden by 7 million some odd votes in 2020. And of course, to this day, has never accepted the reality that he's a loser. He has never accepted the L, as they say. So, Meet the Press uh, airs in most markets on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m., and that's uh, the Eastern Time Zone, and it's on a tape delay in other markets. Now, 
a lot of people watch Meet the Press, so it carries uh, quite a bit of weight. And what's happening lately, I used to watch Meet the Press all the time, but with Chuck Todd, I would notice frequently, should I say frequently? Is that an adequate description? Yeah, I, I, let's just say regularly. I would notice that Chuck Todd would not challenge people when they said something that wasn't true. And this is something that is known, it's out there. Other places have reported this is not true, but he would just kind of let it slide. So I started watching it a little bit less. Before Chuck Todd, I think that they had a guy by the name of David Gregory on. Uh, he never made much of a splash, but he had some pretty big shoes to fill. Tim Russert was highly respected, and he knew politics very well. And he was the longtime host of Meet the Press back before he passed away uh, unexpectedly. And it's kind of hard to fill Tim Russert's shoes at this point, because I can tell you from what I've seen, the people that have been sitting in that chair since Tim Russert, since Tim Russert passed away have not done a good job. They just haven't. So yesterday, uh, it was just kind of a mess, honestly. And you would have expected, I would have expected, I think most people would expect knowing that Donald Trump is not an honest person, and let's just face it, he's not. The media documented 30,000-something lies that he told during the four years he was president of the United States. Why is it okay for somebody in that position to lie? The First Amendment, you know... When you become the president, when you become a public servant, and you're supposed to be representing we the people, I think that you ought to, you have to give up some of your rights. You're going to have to give up some of your rights to privacy and some of your rights to free speech because you are telling people from a position of authority or should be a position of authority, and people should be able to trust what you say as being accurate to the best of your knowledge at that particular point in time. But no, 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 that doesn't apply. And I understand that that is a really slippery slope when you start saying, you know, we're going to have to disagree with that because who, who is the, who is the determining factor? What entity says you're right you're wrong, you're right, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're right. And what happens if somebody in a position of power decides to try to corrupt that entity, that um, uh, system of checks and balances that says, you know, the governor here, he, this is a lie. Well, that is kind of what the fourth estate is supposed to do. And you can have television stations and radio stations in a market disagree about something. And then the public, I guess, gets to decide for itself 
who makes the best case, who they want to believe is, is actually correct on this. Is it the newspaper where the editor has said, here's the facts? Or is it the television guy who, at the end of the news, left a commentary that disagreed with what the newspaper said? Well, at that point, you kind of have to do your own research, but you have two reliable sources that you can balance and, and weigh against one another and determine for yourself what the truth is and what the truth is not. So, anyway, the debut of the um, Kristen Welker era of Meet the Press was not a good one, in my opinion. Not good at all. And I'm going to discuss this, some of the specifics of yesterday's Meet the Press episode. Coming up next. Let me start off by telling you a little bit about Kristen Welker. She was born on July 1st, 1976, and she is an American television journalist who is currently working for NBC News. She has been serving as a White House correspondent based in Washington, D.C., and she has fulfilled several different roles on various NBC programs over the years. She has a daughter that was born in 2021, I believe, and was a Democrat from 2004 through 2016 and then became independent in 2016 and apparently remains an independent today. So, she comes from a background where her father was an engineer and her mother was a real estate agent. So, um, doesn't seem to be, uh, one of the, uh, one percenters, but probably grew up in a fairly good, um, environment as far as, uh, she probably was not poor. I'm just guessing I haven't done a ton of research on her, but, um, she is a uh, college, Harvard College graduate. She graduated in um, um, 1998 with a Bachelor of Arts, and uh, she majored in American history and was uh, and she graduated magna cum laude. So she's a smart person. Okay, she has uh, I think a pretty good uh, educational background, obviously, graduate from Harvard. That does come with a little bit of creds. So I was a bit shocked because I've seen her on television as part of the White House press pool for NBC. She's also on MSNBC quite a bit as well, which of course, um, MSNBC um, is uh, a division of NBC News, and she is normally representing MSNBC when she's uh, at the, the White House press briefings, and she does other reports live for various NBC News uh, programs and, and things like that. 
so I was hoping that she would put journalism first and hold Donald Trump to task, which very few people in the media do. So anyway, uh, she debuted uh, yesterday on uh, Sunday morning, September 17th, 2023, with her very first Meet the Press episode. And she talked to Donald Trump one-on-one. He was the only guest. And they discussed things like, uh, oh, things that are important to a lot of Americans, things like... um, Abortion is a big concern right now, of course. Immigration, foreign policy, uh, things like that. And during the show, Donald, former President Donald Trump, lied repeatedly. Lie after lie after lie after lie. And he went unchallenged for the most part every single time. This is not journalism, and this is not what the fourth estate is supposed to be doing. And I kind of have a good idea of why they don't put these people on the spot on TV. This was all, of course, was um, taped previously, so it wasn't a live program. But If you put a politician on the line, they may just refuse to appear on your show again. And the networks don't want that because, well, you know, you've got to have the advertisers. And if this particular politician is notable, if they're a phenomenon and everybody wants to know about them because they are so outrageous or whatever, Uh, you're going to lose advertising revenue. It's kind of what it all boils down to. You've got to have the people that the public wants to see on TV, and the more people you have watching, the more you can charge for the advertising. It's the bottom line. Now, NBC News has said that they have also extended an invitation to current president, Joe Biden, to also sit down with Welker for an interview. Now, it's not clear if Joe Biden has accepted that invitation or not. Certainly, no date has been set for that. I would actually like to see Joe Biden maybe next Sunday, huh? (laughs) Um, Donald Trump's presidency and his history prior to being president is one of exaggerations and misrepresentations and lies. I recall one person, uh, they had an account that they called Donald Trump on the phone and they later felt like they were talking to him, but he pretended he was somebody else on the phone. And he was bragging about Donald Trump and how much money he had and what a great guy he was and all of that. Which is odd. 
to say the least. I mean, that sounds like something you would have seen in a movie, really. But that's kind of how uh, Donald Trump operates. So what were the lies specifically that Donald Trump told on Meet the Press yesterday? Well, Donald Trump said, quote, millions of illegal immigrants coming into our country, flooding our, seed, our cities, flooding the countryside. I think the number is going to be 15 million people by the time you end this, by the end of this year. I think the real number is going to be 15 million people, end quote. So what are the facts? Well, the fact is that uh, border crossings are up over the last two years. And the U.S. Border Patrol has apprehended and or turned away over two and a half million people. And some of them make multiple attempts to cross the border and get caught. But the numbers are in the single digits in the millions. There's nothing even approaching 15 million. <laughs> So, uh, as a matter of fact, right now the U.S. government estimates that there are 11.4 million people in the United States um, illegally without the authorization to be here currently, in total, right now. So, the $15 million figure that he quoted is just completely bogus. And that went unchallenged. Really, really did. And... He also talked about uh, uh, some of these uh, immigrants are, are actually terrorists. Quote, I saw some statistics, and it said in 2019 there were no terrorists. They caught no terrorists. And now this year it's a record number like they've never seen before. End quote. Border Patrol is having more encounters with people who are on the terrorist watch list. And... Yeah, that's that's true. But you know, if you are if you're encountering more people, then it seems like you're catching more of them, right? So anyway, um, bottom line is that um, the uh, um, the numbers that he quoted are not accurate, not even close. The uh, uh, number of border crossers that were on the watch list. Uh, in 2019, during the Trump administration, was 280. And so far this year, we're at 216. And last year, there was a total of 165, according to NBC News. So we are lower than they were when Trump was president. And, you know, wouldn't that have been a nice thing for Welker to have said, like, well, they're lower than they're lower now than they were when you were president. You know, maybe have some uh, um, visual displays because we know Donald Trump doesn't like to read, and they, she could have had, uh, you know, a uh, um, big uh, uh, like cue cards up there with this information written on it and the source of the information and and the facts. Well. Here, let me let me refer you to this this over here, Mr. Trump. That's another thing. She kept referring to him as President Trump. He is not President Trump. He was 
President Trump. He is the former President of the United States. He's not currently the President. That is reserved for one person at a time, and currently it's Joe Biden. Donald Trump said that uh, the United States gave $85 billion worth of equipment to the Taliban. That was when we pulled out during the, the withdrawal from Afghanistan. It's not true. It's not true at all. And a good thing to have pointed out at this point would have been the deal that was made between the United States and the Taliban about withdrawing from Afghanistan was inked during the Trump administration. He's the one that made that deal. And is it just possible that there were some specifics that he agreed to that maybe President Biden didn't want to go along with, but kind of had to because the credibility of the United States kind of depended upon uh, us actually doing what we promised we were going to do to a foreign entity? Yeah, probably. So anyway, the Defense Department estimated in 2022 that the Afghan government had about $7.1 billion worth of U.S.-funded military equipment. Um, And that was when it fell to the Taliban in August of 2021. That was during the withdrawal. So Trump's figure of $83 billion probably includes a lot of other things like training, and uh, equipping and supporting Afghanistan security forces over the last two decades. Um, You know, Russia lost a ton of money on Afghanistan also. We apparently learned nothing from that experience. We were there, you know, we were present to see what happened. Uh, But we can thank the Bush administration, George W. Bush, for lying us into this war that has cost us um, an absolute fortune. And these are all kind of serious topics, immigration and terrorism and, uh, you know, pulling out of Afghanistan and and the the nightmare that that turned out to be. But they also got into some really silly things like bacon. They talked about bacon. Can you believe that? Yeah. Yeah. Trump said, quote, things are not going right now very well for the consumer. That's what he said. Things are not going right now very well for the consumer. Bacon is up five times. Food is up horribly worse than energy, end quote. Well, yeah. Um, Bacon is probably up about 12% due to greed inflation. And um, anyway, yeah, food is, is expensive, but a lot of it has to do with the fact that we have an economy based on capitalism. And capitalism requires competition in order to thrive and function properly. And we don't really have that right now. Isn't uh Uh, Isn't there a a concern right now that there's two major grocery store chains wanting to merge? I think it's Kroger and uh, Albertsons, isn't it? They want to merge. Which, what would that do for competition? It would just uh, condense it even more, wouldn't it? 
So it seems like a really, really, really bad idea since inflation has lessened significantly since the pandemic kind of ended, even though we're still dealing with COVID. It's not gone. But (laughs) grocery prices haven't gone down that much, have they? You know, I can remember back in the 2000s when the price of gas started going up. Remember, you know, what would you what would you expect to happen to fossil fuel costs when you elect two oil men to the top two offices in in the nation? Would you would you not expect them to hand out some favors to their buds in the fossil fuel industry? Well, they obviously did because let's not forget what gas prices were in the 2000s after George W. Bush and Dick Cheney took office. And I remember back then people were complaining about the price of groceries. And you know what they blamed that on? They blamed it on the cost of transportation because gas was so expensive, they had to increase the price of the groceries to compensate for the price of gas. Okay, well, yeah. I, okay, I'll buy that. But, you know, gas dropped. You know, the price of gas went down after we kind of got through the, well, after the economy crashed, thanks to the Great Recession brought on by George W. Bush and the Republican Party. And when everybody kind of <laughs> lost their jobs and didn't have money to spend on travel and things like that, all of a sudden we had a lot of extra fuel. Remember that? And gas prices came down. But guess what didn't come down? Grocery prices. Yeah, they stayed high. They may have come down a little bit, but I remember going to the grocery store and thinking, why is this stuff still so high? The price of gas has been down now for months, and this stuff has been transported recently because it expires. So why are we still paying this? They just never really did come down, did they? So anyway, but um, so um, yeah, since Trump left office, uh, the cost of bacon is up about 12%. And (laughs) anyway, um, so uh, food prices have gone up 4.3% from between August of 2022 and August 2023 um, during that period. So food is is a necessity and uh, it's still very expensive. Yeah, so, but, um, you know, it has not um, gone up five times, okay? That's just a ridiculous exaggeration, so. And, um, of course, the, they mentioned the January 6th domestic terrorist attack on our U.S. Capitol and our people in Congress that was uh, initiated and encouraged by Donald Trump when he was the president. And Trump lied about that, of course. Quote, these people on January 6th, Some of them never even went into the building, and they're being given sentences of many years. End quote. So, okay. (laughs) Um, 
people like uh, Enrique Tarrio, who was the head of the Proud Boys, and uh, Stuart Rhodes, the guy that shot his own eye out with his gun, you know, head of the Oath Keepers. Um, they didn't enter the Capitol themselves, uh, but they were convicted of seditious conspiracy, which is a very serious crime. And, you know, it's kind of like uh, if you're planning a bank robbery and you're the big guy and you're assembling all the people, but you're not going to actually be there. You're going to be at your vacation home in Florida at the time of the robbery. Guess what? You're still responsible for it. You're the one that got everybody together. You're the one that got everybody all riled up to do it. So anyway, um, the fact of the matter is some of the people who were assaulted and hurt the worst never went into the U.S. Capitol. And the bottom line is the U.S. Capitol and the grounds were closed that day, okay? Because of the pandemic, the U.S. Capitol was closed, and there were barricades that were set up to tell the public, you can come up to this point, but past this point, it's closed. And if you go past that point, you are trespassing, which is a crime. So all of those people who were there on the Capitol grounds on January the 6th that never entered the Capitol were still committing a crime because they were trespassing. And, you know, when you're beating a police officer with a flagpole or you're spraying them with bear spray, yeah, that's a crime. That's a crime. So there you go. And, of course, uh, he had to talk about uh, several other things like, uh, oh, his tax cuts. That was the one thing that Donald Trump really did, other than divide the country much, much worse than it had been divided in recent history. Trump did get tax cuts passed. And he said, quote, you have to, you have to get some income coming in. You know, when I lowered taxes, we took in more revenue. When I lowered taxes, I cut taxes tremendously, created tremendous jobs, but more importantly, we had more revenue with lower taxes than we did with higher taxes. End quote. End of lie. Because, yeah, you know, income from taxes typically do um, increase after, uh, you know, tax cuts. And that's when the economy is growing. When the economy grows, people are out buying things and there's more taxes. So yeah, you're having, you're having more um, income. But here's the deal. The nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, which provides statistics to members of Congress, both in the House and in the Senate, um, said that the law would raise the deficit by $1.4 trillion in its first 10 years. And that is factoring in its boost to economic growth. And when you add in the costs of the debt service, like the interest and things like that, the deficit figure grows to $1.9 trillion. 
And those numbers will continue to grow if uh, these temporary taxes um, that were figured into the Trump GOP tax cut are extended. So it, it doesn't it doesn't work that way. You cannot cut taxes favoring the wealthy and expect things to continue to outpace the tax cuts, the, the tax income, the tax receipts. And that's because millionaires and billionaires, when they go out to buy jeans, they're going to buy maybe two or three pairs. But you've got millions of average middle, middle class Americans, working class Americans, that aren't going to buy as many pairs of jeans. They're, that's where the income really comes from, is the middle class, the masses, the majority. They're the ones that need to have money in their hands, in their bank accounts, so they can go out and spend the money and drive the economy in a way that no millionaire or billionaire could ever even think about driving the economy. It trickles up. It does not trickle down, period. So that was just, it's just a lie. It's just a lie. Uh, because you have to look at the cost of the tax cuts as well as the income that is derived from it. And when you put those two figures together, guess what? We lost. America lost. Yeah. And of course, let's talk about the 2020 election. Donald Trump continues, continues to insist that the 2020 election was rigged. So, first of all, he says, quote, If this were ever before a court, we would win so easy. There is so much evidence that the election was rigged, end quote. And then he talked about the 2,000 mules, which is a stupid, ridiculous uh, um, film that was uh, created by Dinesh D'Souza, who's a conservative, right-wing, far-right, extreme personality, which has been completely and totally debunked. And, uh, you know, uh, more than 50 lawsuits were brought before various courts, including before some judges who were Trump appointees. And uh, none of those lawsuits uh, succeeded. And where is this, uh, this evidence? Where is the evidence? So we have, in fact, evidence to prove that the 2020 election was actually one of the most accurate elections Ever. So this secret evidence that everybody has, like I, I said in a previous podcast, maybe somebody needs to ask Carrie Lake because she seems to have access to all of this information as well. If, if Trump has all of this stuff, where is it? Where is it? So Trump said that there's proof uh, with uh, tapes of ballot stuffing. Again, it's been debunked. It's been debunked. It's been debunked. Um, people, you know, depositing multiple ballots into drop boxes in Atlanta's suburbs. You know, Atlanta is mostly African-American. Yeah. 
well, maybe not mostly, but there's it's it's a center of a lot of African Americans. So naturally, they're the they're they're bad because Trump is a racist. Yeah. So there wasn't just a, there just wasn't a whole lot of um, of fact checking. Trump insisted that it was COVID that drove up the deficit, the deficit, not Trump. Trump said, uh, quote, we had the greatest economy in history, and then we got hit with COVID, and we had to keep this, this beautiful thing going. We had to do things that were very severe. We had to let some money come out, end quote. So, yeah, the facts don't back up anything that he said. Uh, we keep hearing that Democrats want to murder babies. You know, they want abortions to be available even at the time of birth or after being born. Well, that's murder. That's not an abortion. And that's just a that's just an outright lie. And I'm going to discuss that a little bit more in just a second. So Democrats want to murder babies. That's what Trump said. Quote, the radical people on this are really the Democrats that say after five months, six months, seven months, eight months, nine months, and even after birth, you are allowed to terminate the baby. You have a Virginia governor, previous governor, who said after the baby is born, you will make a determination, and if you want, you will kill that baby. End quote. Okay. All right, so uh, this is a claim that a lot of Republicans have made over the years. It's not just Trump, but it goes back several years. And this claim has been debunked over and over and over and over again. And it doesn't happen, okay? It does not happen. Only 1% of abortions are performed after 21 weeks of gestation, and this is according to the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. It is very rare that a baby or a fetus or an embryo is that far along when a problem pops up, but it happens sometimes. The third trimester, the, the late abortions, the abortions that happen during the last three months of the pregnancy, usually happen only if there is a serious problem with the baby. Some type of a deformity, they realize that, uh, you know, there's no skull or uh, there's no kidneys, there are no lungs. Uh, the heart's in the wrong place. Things happen, uh, and it's unfortunate. It's horrible, but they happen. Through no fault of anybody on earth, it's the powers that be, whatever is responsible for life, I guess. Um, so 
there are sometimes things happen. Sometimes things just go wrong. And there might be something that happens with the mother. And it's a choice of we either abort the baby to save the mom or we try to keep the baby, keep the, you know, keep that, but at the risk of losing the mother. And in return, if you lose the mother, then you have to <laughs> pull the baby quickly and it may not survive anyway. So that is a discussion that has to occur between the parents, the mom, and the physician. They have to know what's going on and probably would have opinions from other medical professionals as well. But uh, uh, I don't know of any Democrat that is promoting <laughs> a type of abortion where uh, it occurs at, you know, eight or nine months or after being born. After being born, if you're alive and you abort that life, it's murder. It's not an abortion. It's murder. So you just can't believe anything that this man says. You can't. Um, the next lie, quote, I built 500 miles of border wall. I built almost 500 miles of wall, end quote. Well, maybe. The Customs and Border Protection uh, says that uh, in uh, uh, the final days of Trump's administration, he had built 453 miles of uh, new border wall system. And that included some barriers. And uh, um, a lot of it replaced pedestrian and vehicle barriers that had been erected during previous administrations. And that they just used much taller steel, uh, you know, fencing in, in the place where they had, uh, you know, something else in, in the past. But uh, Trump wanted everybody to believe that he was building a completely new border wall in parts of the southern border, along parts of the southern border, where there was no border wall at all. And that's not true. Basically, what he was doing was repairing and replacing older fencing that needed to be probably updated anyway. So, and Mexico did not pay for it. They've, they've dropped that, by the way. Have you noticed that? Remember, Mexico was going to pay for it. Mexico is going to pay for it. Mexico is going to pay for it. Mexico didn't pay for it. No. So, but they have thankfully dropped that lie. Or maybe he's forgotten about it. When you lie all the time, it's hard to remember what you've said and what's true and what isn't true. So, um, you know, that noise you heard, if you heard it, was my cat, Sam. He's thinking that it's time for dinner. And yeah, he thinks it's time for dinner, <laughs> but it's not. He has about uh, 40 minutes to go, so he's a little early. Um, 
so anyway, and then they talked about Ukraine and that the media was ignoring the war in Ukraine. In Ukraine, and uh, Trump said that quote the news is no longer reporting about the war. They don't report about the war anymore. You don't find much reporting. That means that Ukraine's losing. Okay. I see very little reporting from NBC, your network. I see very little reporting from NBC, ABC, from CBS, from anyone about the war, end quote. Well, that's absolutely not true because I, they talk about it constantly. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know where he's uh, catching his news, but uh, he's, uh, he's just wrong. He's wrong. And I think the thing that is the most upsetting is we need some sort of fact check. And if the host of the show is not going to provide, they had to have known what questions were going to be asked, what topics were going to be asked ahead of time. And they can tell what his answers are going to be because he's lied about most of this stuff in the past. So why not be prepared to contradict what he says with facts and saying, that is not true, Mr. Trump. This is the truth. This has been verified. This has been debunked. What you just said has been debunked. Here's the truth. Put him on notice that he is not going to continue to get away with this, but they let him do it anyway. And the people who know he's lying, the people who know Donald Trump is lying, now all of a sudden begin to question the fourth estate, the trust factor. Yeah, the trust factor, because they know it's a lie and they're getting away with it. This is shameful, truly. NBC News should be ashamed of itself for allowing this program to air. I think that they should have pulled it and they should have had... Uh, Miss Welker on there, and she should have had uh, segments, and then she should have stopped and said, this is not true. We fact-checked this. This is blah, 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 blah. Of course, he wouldn't appear on the show again if, if they did that. But at the same time, you have people that don't watch the show now that perhaps watched it in the past because they know that the show is allowing these lies to be <laughs> expanded every time they air something like that and a lie is told and nobody says that's a lie somebody else wonders why are they not correcting this or somebody believes the lie is it any wonder so many people believe what this man says this is the same media that sits there and shows his airplane sitting on the tarmac for 30 minutes waiting to take off or whatever, however long it was. Remember in Atlanta when he had to go turn himself in for his, you know, crimes? I think everybody showed his airplane sitting there for I don't know how long. I remember uh, people um, airing an empty podium because Trump was going to arrive at any moment. So let's just show the podium where he's going to be. He's going to be here at some point in time. Meanwhile, Hillary Clinton is having a rally that is packed, and she's talking about 
the things that Trump is going to do if he becomes president. And you know what? She was right. I'm not a huge Hillary Clinton fan. But would she have made a better president than Donald Trump? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely she would have. And yeah, in retrospect, she was right about Donald Trump. And she deserves full credit for that. And she took a lot of abuse from him. So, at any rate, I am once again well over an hour. And so I'm going to let you go. And I appreciate your time and your attention. And I hope that I have provided a little bit of information that maybe helps you understand what's going on with the media today and the problem that we have with ensuring that correct information is getting out there. There are a lot of people who have a lot of financial interests in making sure that we, the people, don't have all of the facts, that we don't have accurate, honest information about what's going on in our economy, in our politics, in our country, uh, in the world. And it's stuff like this that just contributes to the misinformation that's out there. And misinformation is just, is just another way of saying lies, falsifications, complete outright falsities. So are we going to continue to make the same mistakes during this election year, this upcoming election year that we made in 2016, where the media focuses on the phenomenon that is Donald Trump and doesn't discuss the real issues? How about we talk about the past business deals where he jilted people out of money? How about we talk about his failed businesses and how much money people lost, people that invested money in him? How about we talk about the fact that American banks don't want to do business with him anymore because he doesn't pay his bills? That is not something to be admired. That is not a trait that should be considered honorable. That's a shameful thing. And that needs to come out. And we have to depend on the fourth estate to do that. And by and large, they are not doing it. So, Sam is throwing a fit. I'm going to let you go. I appreciate your time. Thank you for listening very, very much. I hope you have a great Monday night, unless you have other plans. The next episode of Federal Andy is scheduled for tomorrow. Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at Federal Andy, and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy, safe, and healthy, and I'll hopefully be talking to you again next week.